Hello, everybody. This is a very interesting episode of the Maximize Safe Podcast. This is the very first book review episode. I know, very exciting. This is, uh, you can call it episode four, you can call it mini-sode, whatever you want to call it. So as long as you uh, listen, if you guys will enjoy it, this is a book review podcast of two of my all-time favorite books, Travels with Charlie and Search of America by John Steinbeck and When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. They're both phenomenal books in their own very special way. I hope you really enjoy the book review and that you keep on listening and uh, enjoy the show. Maximize today, book review number one is one of my all-time favorite, favorite, favorite books, Travels with Charlie in Search of America by legendary American author John Steinbeck. This is a phenomenal book, as I said, one of my all-time favorites, and this is a, a memoir or a travel log, if you will, um, about John Steinbeck and his road trip through America. He took this trip because he felt he was getting out of touch with the American people, which makes sense. He was a very successful and likely wealthy author, so he probably lived away from the uh, common American citizen. So he felt he could no longer write in an effective way unless he traveled the country and really got to meet and understand the American people that he was trying to write about. So um, what he did was he built a custom camper truck. So he had a Ford or GMC or Chevy truck, and he had it rigged up to be in like a one-of-a-kind RV camper truck. And he traveled the country with his French poodle named Charlie, hence the name Travels with Charlie. And this book is hilarious. It is gut-wrenching. It is um, just a beautiful written book about America. And one of the reasons I say it's so funny is the way he describes and interacts with his dog Charlie is just, just classic. So I'm going to give you a quick little quote here. And um, this is him. This is him describing his dog Charlie, a French poodle. He is a very big poodle of a color called bleu, and he is blue when he is clean. Charlie is a born diplomat. He prefers negotiation to fighting, and properly so, since he is very bad at fighting. Only once in his ten years has he been in trouble when he met a dog who refused to negotiate. Now, for some reason, I think that is hilarious, and the way he describes the dog is often. Um, as like a French gentleman. And it's so funny because he says that he only knows a little bit of poodle English and he prefers to be spoken to in French, um, which, again, I don't know why. I just think it's so funny. And, like, he calls his dog a mionceau and just funny things like that. And it's just really interesting. Um, I read this book right before I got married and right before Marie and I took our honeymoon, which was a road trip in a camper van out west in California. And I decided that I needed to read this book um, obviously because it was a book about American road trips and also because Steinbeck is from, uh, you know, Northern California, he's from Salinas, California. And in our road trip, we actually drove through Salinas and I just, you know, I figured I had to read a book, um, about America that was written by one of my favorite authors. And since I was going to his country, I knew I had to read it. And I read about the Redwoods before I went there and the way he described them, um, was just so apt to actually see them. I'm going to give you a little quick quote here too. He said, the Redwoods, once seen, leave a mark or create a vision that stays with you always. No one has ever successfully painted or photographed a Redwood tree. And I can say that is true because I spent a lot of time trying to photograph them in, um, in Muir Woods, which is a uh, national uh, monument just outside San Francisco. 
And I've tried, you know, forever in vain to take a picture of the redwoods, but you just can't do it because they're just so massive. And I was really thankful that I had read Steinbeck um, about them before I went there because it was just, it kind of prepared me and it was just, um, you know, just an, another interesting perspective. Something else interesting about this book is that it was kind of written in the peak of the Cold War. And he, a lot of the people he comes in contact with, um, you know, have opinions on, you know, what to do with Russia and stuff like that. So it was interesting to see um, Steinbeck talk about how he, you know, traveled the country in a, during like a hot time in the world and in America. So, you know, tensions were high, you know, the political divide was uh, bubbling up and it was, you know, just as divided as it is today, maybe even more so. Uh, it wasn't quite 1968, but uh, 1962 was still pretty, um, you know, pretty hot and heavy. And, you know, it was at the height of the Red Scare. So what he, it was really kind of funny how he discussed um, the Cold War and the Russians. And he, he spoke about how human beings always need somebody to point their finger at and blame, which was, it's kind of funny the way he just like, he didn't attribute every problem to Russians, but he kind of talked about how, you know, the American people did. And it was really funny, like, if gas was too high, he blamed on the Russians. Or if his eggs were too runny at the diner, it was the Russians' fault. And it was just interesting to see that, you know, in in parallel to what's going on today. And he talked about, you know, social issues and civil rights issues in 1962 and how, uh, you know, you know what was going on then. And it was, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, what's happening now in 2017. And, you know, it's just kind of, kind of wild to see the parallels, you know, you know, four to five decades later. And so the name of his camper van in this book was called um, Rocanante, which, which is probably the wrong pronunciation, I'm sorry, but that's Rocanante is the name of the horse in Don Quixote, which is, of course, a, you know, all-time great novel. I have not read it. I don't necessarily plan on reading it because uh, a friend of mine read it, said it was kind of a tough read. So I'm sure I need to, you know, to quench my literature thirst, but I don't really have a desire to read it, so maybe one day I'll get there. Who knows, who knows, who knows. Um, something else great about this book is that it really transports you to, you know, what America was feeling then. Maybe it really resonated with me so much because it's, you know, strikingly similar to 2017, but not only that does it take you back to that generation, it puts you really in the time and place of the people there. And like any great book, it really just, you know, really puts you in like the, the feet of, you know, the people that he's describing. So like you instantly knew what was important to them, their thoughts and their fears. And it just really, you know, made you empathize and sympathize like any great book um, does, which, um, you know, was really important to me. And it's just, this book was, I really, really loved it. And I'm going to do a couple quotes here. Uh, and I'm going to try and kind of alternate between funny and serious just because uh, part of the great part about this book was that it, it is very serious, but it's also um, really light and funny and uh, just like tongue-in-cheek. A lot of it's tongue-in-cheek, kind of like what I was saying about how, you know, what he thought about the Cold War. A lot of it's tongue-in-cheek, and it's just super funny. And I think uh, hopefully these quotes will give you an idea of, uh, what, what I'm trying to get at here. So this one is about, um, you know, the importance of trips and the wanderlust of America. Uh, once a journey is designed, equipped, and put in process, a new factor enters and takes over. A trip, a safari, an exploration, is an entity 
different from all other journeys. And that's personality, temperament, individuality, uniqueness. A journey is a person in itself. No two are alike. And all plans, safeguards, policing, and coercion are fruitless. We find after years of struggle that we do not take a trip. A trip takes us. And of course, anyone that's gone on a road trip um, can really relate to this quote. And it's definitely inspired me to go on my next road trip in a couple of weeks where we're going out to uh, Utah, going to Zion National Park, Bryce Canyon National Park, and the Grand Canyon, and Las Vegas. So uh, this quote is important to me because it's important to Well, sorry, I've said important so many times. Um, this is interesting because, uh, you know, you can't have too many plans on a trip. You plan too much, you know, you might as well be going to school or go to work. You know, you got to let some things come to you and just, you know, see what happens. So, you know, go with the flow and you'll likely find yourself in a good position. So here is a funny quote from Steinbeck just to show you uh, the lightheartedness of this book. And finally, in our time, a beard is the one thing that a woman cannot do better than a man. Or if she can't, her success is assured only in a circus. Uh, that's just hilarious. And it's kind of funny because that probably came after a uh, very, oh, important, you know, very uh, novelist-like sentence. And it's just kind of funny. And I thought that was great. Another short quote uh, that's more important, or, you know, more serious. There are two kinds of people in the world, observers and non-observers. And this is, you know, very important to me. Um, you always got to be looking around because you never know what you're going to, you know, find and what, what knowledge you're going to take in. You can always learn more. You can always be more observant. You can always be more empathetic, more sympathetic. And the more you travel, the more likely you are to see other people's point of views as um, not only tolerable, but, you know, maybe better than yours. Or uh, you're going to see other people's uh, worth and figure out that, you know, they have something to add to the equation as well. And, of course, traveling um, is the number one way to, you know, break down, break down uh, the barriers in your soul and your heart. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a great Mark Twain quote, you know, traveling is the cure to bigotry, something like that. You know, it's, that was a little off, but something like that. You get what I'm saying. And another funny quote here is, this is his kind of take on government and governing. I find out of long experiences that I admire all nations and hate all governments. It's another tongue-in-cheek thing about how he, uh, how he feels about government and, you know, politicians. He kind of paints them, you know, into a funny little corner there. And it's that, that kind of sentiment is kind of throughout the whole book. And another theme throughout, the, uh, throughout this book is America's um, obsession with traveling and, you know, uh, wanderlust. And it's just, uh, you know, important for um, us to get out there and see this big old country. And I think this book is a great thing to read, especially before you're going on a road trip. So you have the open-mindedness to, uh, you know, really take in the culture and the people that you're meeting. So hope you enjoyed book review number one. And get ready for book review number two. Book review number two, When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. This is a phenomenal, phenomenal, uh, you know, earth-shattering autobiographical book. And it is a memoir about his life and his illness. Uh, Paul was diagnosed with stage four metastatic lung cancer, and he was a neurosurgeon. So he pretty much knew that he had 
been given a you know a, a death march essentially with this diagnosis. And this book is all about how he became a doctor, and then and then about how he ultimately battled and succumbed to his illness. And this is one of the most powerful books that I've ever read. It made me cry, and it really uh, made me reevaluate uh, how I lived my own life. And it's uh, honestly one of the reasons why I uh, rededicated myself to Maximize today. Um, this book was just phenomenal, and it was just brutally, brutally honest in how Paul uh, dealt with his illness and how he dealt with um, death. And it was just a really fascinating read and a... Um, Man, it, it's just incredibly powerful because um, one of the interesting parts about it was uh, before he was actually diagnosed, he knew all the warning signs and he kind of figured, you know, he kind of diagnosed himself before even the CAT scans and all the MRIs and stuff were back. He pretty much knew from the beginning when his, when his symptoms came in that he was likely not going to make it. He wasn't going to make it very far. And uh, this book really put death and mortality in a new light that I'd never thought of before. And it really made, gave me a whole new understanding to it. And it was just incredibly powerful because the first part of the book is um, kind of a autobiographical uh, cradle to his college life, you know, just kind of how he got to where he was. And then the um, second part of the book is how, you know, it was mostly about his illness and how, how he kept on practicing medicine, you know, almost up to the very end. And, one of the things I remember the most about from this book was the title of part two was called um, Cease Not Until Death, which was a quote from uh, Walt Whitman. And if I ever were to get a tattoo, I think it would have to be that Walt Whitman quote, uh, Cease Not Until Death, which um, is really interesting in this book because, you know, Paul had every reason to quit and to just, you know, let death come for him without, you know, doing anything. But he knew he had a uh, important opportunity in front of him, and he knew that he could do a lot of good by, uh, you know, beautifully writing about this, you know, perfectly natural part of life. And um, he truly didn't cease until death. And this book was just phenomenal. And I finished this book in two days over Thanksgiving break as I drove up north to uh, where Maria's family lives in Angola, Indiana. I started it on the way up there and read. Um, this was actually on Black Friday, and I read for the entire four-hour trip, and then I finished it the next day uh, at her grandma's house, and um, I cried reading it, I laughed reading it, and I just really, really thought a lot about life after like while reading it. It was just unbelievable. I could not put it down. It struck a chord with me and resonated, uh, really resonated like you know deep inside of my heart and my soul, which sounds cheesy, but this book for some reason it really was a really big part of, I don't know, it just really meant a lot to me. And I felt uh, really rejuvenated because of this book and by because of Paul's honest reflection uh, while staring death in the face. Um, he knew his diagnosis and he knew exactly what was going to happen, but he kept fighting and he kept practicing medicine and he kept living his life. And what was really just fascinating about you know his life and the story is that him and his wife, um, you know, were very honest in this book about, you know, how it affected their marriage and how it, um, you know, just affected their lives. And what was just most like gut wrenching was that they decided to have a child knowing that he wasn't going to 
live very long. He may not even live until until she was born. And they made the decision to, you know, to try to be parents, even even knowing that he was going to pass away shortly, and not not in the you know decades later, but that it was it was within a couple of years, which was something I don't know that I could do. And even while reading it, I oh man, I just couldn't believe it. And I'm going to read you a quick little quote, which kind of put this in perspective. Uh, I read this in November, so like even since then, I wasn't sure if I could do it. But rereading this quote, it kind of put put their whole decision in, in perspective. So here's a quick little quote about them deciding to have a child. Will having a newborn distract from the time that we have together? She asked. Don't you think saying goodbye to your child will make your death more painful? Wouldn't it be great if it did, I said. Luce and I both felt that life wasn't about avoiding suffering. And this is an incredible quote because, you know, it really goes back to the age-old dilemma, you know, uh, is it better to love and loss than to never have loved and all? And um, this is just a truly beautiful part of the book where, you know, he knew he had to squeeze all the life he could. And there could be some people that say it would be selfish to have a kid knowing that you were going to, uh, you know, not be able to, to help you raise it. But um, him and his wife decided that this is what they wanted. And they, you know, they both decided they were going to put as much love as they could into it, even knowing that he wasn't going to wasn't going to make it. And I think it's a real beautiful sentiment and it'd be real, uh, just an amazing part of their story. Oh man. Uh, this book just really, truly captures what it means to be human. And I just, I can't really stress how much it affected me and how much, how enthralled I was by every word of it. And I really hope that you all read it and enjoy it like I did. I'm going to give you a couple more quotes here. Um, Human knowledge is never contained in one person. It grows from the relationships we create each other with it, between each other and the world, and it is still never complete. Um, you can tell that through these quotes that Paul is a phenomenal writer, and that doesn't that makes perfect sense knowing his background because he went to Stanford and he actually had an English major at Stanford University, and then decided he wanted to be a neurosurgeon. Uh, so you know he's obviously an incredibly bright and intellectual person. And um, it's kind of cool how he used his gifts to write this beautiful book while being a world-class neurosurgeon as well, which, you know, graduating from Stanford is already the upper echelon of the academic circle. And then becoming a neurosurgeon has just put you even further up that rank. So it's, it's cool to see how we can combine both worlds of writing and medicine. And then I'll read one more quote here. This is a little bit long, so bear with me. There is a moment, a cusp. When the sum of gathered experience is worn down by the details of living, we are never so wise as when we live in that moment. Uh, sorry, that is actually not a long quote. I apologize. Um, so I think that was just a cool quote, and I wanted to read it to you. I'll do one more. Sorry, again, I'll be honest. My notes were kind of jammed together. That's why I thought it was a longer quote, so you'll just have to live with it. Um, I began to realize that coming in such close contact with my own mortality had changed but nothing in every but nothing in everything before my cancer was diagnosed i knew that someday i would die but i didn't know when after that diagnosis i knew that someday i would die but i didn't know when but now i knew it acutely the problem wasn't really a scientific one the fact of death is unsettling yet there's no other way to live this quote really resonated with me because uh, you start to think like what would our life be like if we truly accepted the fact that we were going to die and it might not be decades later, it could be tomorrow. So um, 
you know, how would we live our lives differently if we truly accepted death as opposed to um, pushing it off until the very last moment, which is kind of funny. You know, you're going to push off your homework assignment, but one day that homework is going to be due and you're going to wish that you had prepared more and done more to make that project better. So it's kind of, I know it's kind of cheesy, but um, it's kind of how life is too. You know, one day we're going to die. Um, and I have a feeling that if, you know, if, unless you die suddenly, um, if you have, you know, you're thinking, you know, you're on your deathbed as an old man, you're going to wish that you had done, um, done things with, with, you know, more urgency and with more zest. And, um, this book really put that into perspective for me. And I really wanted to share that, uh, with you all, the Maximized Day community. So I hope you read this book and Travels with Charlie and enjoy them as much as I did. So, um, you know, these are both great books. I think you all would love them because you're already following Maximize Today, so you're going to really pick up on the same themes that I did. And I think you should get them. They're they're both fairly reasonable on Amazon, and or you can borrow them from me. You know, uh, both my copies are currently being borrowed by friends, so you'll have to excuse me a little bit and be patient. But you should read them and check them out and buy them, highlight them, and pass them on to your friends. So. Have a great day and uh, get ready for more book review podcasts and more, hopefully more interviews as well. So thank you very much. Have an excellent morning, afternoon, or evening.